Do you want to build your brand by being a guest on industry-leading podcasts? If you own a business, my guess is you do. So picture this. You, a dynamic executive, effortlessly connecting with engaged audiences, turbocharging your top-of-funnel marketing, and creating a treasure trove of content with every episode. Podcasting is the game changer you've been waiting for, and PodcastAlly.com is your VIP ticket to podcast PR success. Say goodbye to the ordinary and hello to the extraordinary exposure. Head over to PodcastAlly.com now and let them know that Pretty OK sent you. Your brand deserves to shine, and they're ready to make it happen. Another episode of Pretty Okay Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Welker. And I am Taylor Holman. And we took a brief, unscheduled break there <laughs> for a little bit, you know, life and kids and work and kind of trying to balance all that shit. It happens, but we're back um, and we're going to do kind of a different episode today for us, which is we're going to talk about the Instagram algorithm in 2021, but we're going to talk about it based off of this article that was put out by Later that I sent to Taylor, what, like a month ago when the last time we talked, (laughs) we're planning things. (laughs) So they put out a really interesting, pretty comprehensive article about how the Instagram algorithm is going to work in 2021. And I know that that's always a big question for people when they're working on their marketing is like, how do I hack the Instagram algorithm? And I mean, I don't know about you, Taylor, but I will be one of the first people to say you can't. (laughs) Like, I certainly think there are tips and tricks and things you can do to like boost your engagement and whatnot. But I, I mean, honestly, there's no way like default set process to hack the algorithm. So we're going to kind of take apart this article a little bit and talk about our trip tricks and tips, um, kind of in line with it and what you can do to boost your engagement. Yeah. I am thoroughly against trying to hack the algorithm because the, the fact of the matter is, is that the algorithm will always be smarter than us. So we can't hack it. I want people to start thinking of it as a game that they really need to understand how to play as opposed to like, you know, storming the walls and breaking it down. We're not doing that. You really have to just learn how to be flexible and adapt mm-hmm. to the changes that get made over time because they will. And focusing your effort on trying to hack it in its current version doesn't actually help you in the long term. Well, and you know, I mean, people get set in ways. And I know that that's a very common thing, especially with social media. You know, you get comfortable in a routine with your your scheduling and your posting and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, whoops, Instagram flips the switch again and something's crazy. So yeah, I think you're right. Flexibility is a, a big factor when you're dealing with social media, especially because like, I think people forget that Instagram's only, what, 11 years old now? Yeah, it's what was it like 2011, 12 ish, something like that. I can't remember. I mean, I don't know, but (laughs) forever ago, but it's really not that old, right? Like it's no, it's really not. And so much has changed since it first launched that you can just kind of anticipate that it's going to always be this living, growing, changing platform. 100%. When was the last time you scrolled back to like your very first Instagram post? Uh, I haven't scrolled because I have too many posts, um, <laughs> but I have that Time Hop app. And oh, so it'll right. pull up things, you know, and it'll just pull up like the other day, it pulled up this fucking picture of it was like a close up of a bowl of cherry tomatoes with guacamole on it. And I was like, mmm, eating some tomatoes. And it was like <laughs> that really gnarly, um, like the native filters that they had, you know, where it was like orange and yep. gave it the little rounded border frame. It was yep. very classic in Instagram. And I'm like, can you imagine if I posted that today? 
<laughs> totally. I mean, yes, I was an aggressive filter user. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they were like new and it was a cool thing and it was easy to do. And yeah. Yes. I know. Some real, it's, it's pretty ugly if you go back to the beginning for yeah. me. <laughs> yes. It's ugly for everybody. So if you're out there trying to create the perfectly curated feed, know that we all started with absolute crap. It is a learning process. <laughs> all right. So let's just kind of dive into this article. And of course, we'll link it in the show notes so you guys can read it in its entirety. But the first part that it talks about is how the Instagram algorithm works for feed posts in 2021. And so according, this is according to Later, which if you're not familiar with Later, it's a scheduling platform for Instagram and other social, I think they have other social platforms now, right? Um, it's Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and I think Twitter too. Okay. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say for all the weirdos who are pre-scheduling their tweets, who the fuck is doing that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But I've always liked Later. We use it for Instagram. And, you know, I think it's a – they have really great content on their blog. If you're ever, like, looking for some social media kind of help, their blog has a lot of really, really good content. So according to them – and this, they said that according to Instagram – there are six key factors uh, that influence the algorithm for feed posts, and it's interest, relationship, timeliness, frequency, following, and usage. So I think the feed one is a big one for people, obviously, because you want your, your posts to show up. You want people to engage on them. And that is kind of the thing these days where it's like, is anybody seeing me? <laughs> like, do you see this? <laughs> so... Let's talk about interest, uh, the first factor for a minute. So what the article talks about is how your feed isn't only based on who you follow, but it's also based on the accounts and types of posts that who you that you've liked historically. Um, and I don't think we need to get too much into this because we want to talk more so about how to get your posts up in the feed, not necessarily what your feed looks like. But so basically, the first factor they're talking about is if you like a certain type of post, the higher it's going to appear up in your feed. The more you like posts from someone, the more you interact, the more you comment, they're going to consistently show up. And we kind of, I think, knew that. That was kind of a given, right? Can I say something nerdy about algorithms in general? As we Never need to ask if you want to say something nerdy. <laughs> say something really nerdy. So the other thing that I want people to think about, in addition to like stop trying to hack the algorithm, is the algorithm is it's machine learning, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I know enough to be dangerous about machine learning because this is what Brett does now for a living. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in plain English, what the algorithm is doing is it's collecting data about everybody's behavior in order to put content that they are most likely to like or want mm -hmm. in the future. So this happens on social media. It happens on your Netflix account, right? Like all those mm -hmm. suggestions. It happens on Amazon with suggested products or any sort of website that is trying to guess what you also want based on previous behaviors. So when we're talking about all this stuff, the type of content that you need to be producing, you should have that in mind that what you're trying to do is get people to behave a certain way so that it teaches mm -hmm. their algorithms what it needs in order to put your stuff in front of them more often. And I think that also goes in line with, you know, fine tuning your audience and making sure that people that are following you are your ideal audience, you know, because if they're not interested in what you're posting, they're not going to engage in it. But we'll we'll get more into that later. But yeah, that's a, a very good point and not nerdy at all. <laughs> <laughs> totally useful. <laughs> Doesn't everybody know that stuff? Hello. <laughs> so speaking of engagements, what Instagram says the most important engagements are for metrics are comments, likes, reshares, and views for videos, which I don't know if you saw that thing going around a few months ago where I didn't even, I don't know where it came from. It had like no original source, but it was saying that saves are the number one 
most important thing, comments are second. And I honestly think it was like some blog that just like made it. <laughs> Everybody started sharing it. They're like, save my post, save my post. So it bumps up. According to Instagram, that's not true. So um, we've always known that, you know, comments are very important to getting your, your posts boosted in the feed so more people see it. So in order to get people to leave those comments on your posts, what would you recommend? Calls to action. C-T-A. The C-T-A. <laughs> Again, a moment where I wish you guys could see the video of us oh. talking. Um, <laughs> yes. So calls to action essentially are just you being very explicit about what you want people to do. So if you want people to comment, if you want people to like your post, if you want people to share it, people, not you because you're listening, right? You're here, but people in general are dumb and need to be directed toward what you want them to do. So um, when it comes to encouraging engagement, that's, you know, you're, you can never go wrong and you just have to you know, you know, double tap or like or whatever, just very gently put something at the end of your caption that reminds people to actually do something after they finish reading. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I know a lot of people like to use questions as like a call to action, you know, in order to get those comments. But then people get scared because they're like, what if nobody answers my question? Like, it'll look like nobody likes me. You got to try some different things, throw it to the wall, see what sticks, and then figure out what your audience responds to. Because there are some people with followings who, if they post a question, they will get a hundred different answers, right? Because that's their audience. And then there are other people, like, it doesn't necessarily work for Glitter Guide. We, If we post a question, we don't really get a lot of engagement that way. But we do get a lot of engagement when we do, you know, calls to action for Lincoln bio head to our stories, that kind of thing, which just tells us that people are there for the content. You know, they're there for the the website, the posts, all of that stuff. And then there are other people who just want to have a conversation on your feed. Everybody's different. So you just have to figure out what works for you and your audience. So we're not going to really go too much over um, factor number two, which is relationship, because that's more about curating your own home feed. And then timeliness, uh, Instagram is obviously not chronological anymore. If it was, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> Life would be a lot easier if they would just go back to a chronological feed. But, you know, you can always use, like Later has a good uh, feature for figuring out your best time to post during the day whenever your audience is most engaged. Um, and Instagram Insights has it too. I find laters to be better. <laughs> Instagram insights for me, it's a little vague because I feel like when I look at mine, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, it's not as it's not as precise. Yeah. Uh, factor four, frequency. How often are you opening the app? Obviously, if you are opening it and looking at it all the time, your story, your feed will look more chronological. And then number five, you're following. So if you're following a lot of people, obviously Instagram has more people to choose from in your feed. Um, but they did say in the article, which I thought was an interesting point, was that it could be worth systematically removing inactive or ghost followers. So if you have a large percentage of your following that's inactive, that they could be doing more harm than good for your account's algorithmic ranking. And I think that's interesting because I think, first of all, if you have inactive or ghost followers, could be from maybe you bought some followers. Don't do that. But no judgment if you did it in the past, you know, but they could be hurting you more than than helping you. You know, what they're saying is that those vanity numbers are not as important as having real engaged followers. Everything in technology is moving toward like really wanting to be humanistic, right? Like. Yeah. You know, the if you look back at SEO, how we used to do that is very different from how we do it now. Like you now have to, yeah. you have to write like a human. You can't write like a robot. Same thing here, like Instagram and Facebook, they want to know that 
they are that there are real human connections. Mm-hmm. And so I thought this was interesting because I didn't know that you could remove your followers. Mm-hmm. I guess I've <laughs> I've never been compelled to like kick someone off of my. Oh, uh, I do it all the time. Here. Oh, interesting. I'm well. I'm very like on my you know my personal one. I'm like, eh. I don't really want that weird looking dude following me. <laughs> so I'll remove them, not necessarily block them, but remove them. But yeah, you can, you can just remove followers without them knowing. Oh man, I am so going to do that now. <laughs> there, is, there are, there's this one guy who's, who follows two of the accounts that I manage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm being vague because pick them out. And I'm like, you have nothing to do with the wedding industry. You have nothing to like, you're a seemingly 70 year old man. And he almost every post from those two accounts, I'm like, this fucking weird. He's prime for being removed now that I know you can do that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a little cleaner than blocking people because <laughs> they could figure that out if they go to your account and see that this user doesn't exist, or they could just use a different account to look at what you're doing. So I don't know. Yeah, so you can remove people. If you have a lot of old inactive followers, you can remove those. There are apps that can do that, right? Like they'll kind of scrape your feed, uh, or not your feed, sorry, your followers list and see who interacts the least. Or even Instagram has it now. If you go into your, um, what is it? When you go into your profile and then you like look on your followers, it'll tell you like, most interacted with or least interacted with. And, you know, you can always just clean it up that way. It might take a little while, a little project for you, but it could help you in the end. So, so let's talk about Instagram stories now, because I've heard from a lot of people that some days their stories will get mega views. And then the next day it'll be like, oh, cool. Not a single person saw that story. Typically, you know, Instagram stories, that pop up at the beginning of your feed are people that you engage with the most, like whether it's through likes or DMs, whatever, you watch their stories all the time. So if you want your stories to be bumped to the front, the best thing you can do is consistently post to stories. So by posting to your stories more often, you know, you have a better chance of reaching viewers as they're scrolling through. And then the more views you get, the better your ranking will be. So basically, Instagram's recommendation is to just keep posting stories. Yeah. And I mean, some days if all you can do is just push your post out as the story, yeah, like, that's fine, right? Like that's better mm-hmm. than not having anything on that channel. Or if you're, if it's relevant to your business and your content strategy, you know, this is a space where you can do somebody else a solid and share their content right? Yeah. Like I feel a lot better in general about people resharing other people's content in stories Mm -hmm. because it automatically, like you can't break the link to the original source the way you can with posts. I I personally think it's almost easier to consistently show up on stories than it is to post. Oh yeah, for sure. Because you don't necessarily have to create new content. You know, you can just share and it, I think sharing other content is is a great recommendation because, you know, yes, it gets you something on that stories. It gets you something up there for people to see. But it also helps kind of build those community ties, you know, of industry of, hey, I shared your work. I scratched your back. You know, it just it's goodwill, I think. Yep. All right. So let's go through the part of this article where they talk about seven extra ways to improve your ranking with the Instagram algorithm. I'm going to skip over all the parts about the explore page um, and Instagram reels and all of that stuff because I hate them. (laughs) Yeah, we just said we don't have time for reels. So y'all can like I, I honestly don't have the personal experience of doing them to talk in any sort of educated way about it. So if I've got nothing for you. Yeah. So (laughs) if you are cool with reels and want to learn more about them, that is your homework because (laughs) Sam and I are not the experts on it. We're admitting we're not the experts on it. Right. Nope. So we're not going to bullshit you. 
No, no. And I think, honestly, I kind of feel like Instagram reels are a separate beast from Instagram itself because with Instagram, with the feed and stories, it's about content creation in terms of creating kind of these static forms of content. Um, And there's a little more, I think, analytical planning that goes into them. Whereas with reels, reels is video content, which is huge, you know, and is only gaining in traction but it requires so much time and it's such a separate beast from, I think your typical marketing plan. If you have the time and the capacity to create reels, great. If they're relevant to your audience, awesome. But you know, for me, I barely have time to do what I do. (laughs) Just being real here. (laughs) All right. So the seven ways, seven ways, according to Instagram, that you can improve your ranking and reach new audiences. And of course, the first one is to embrace their latest features like reels. <laughs> Basically telling us to get fucked. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you know, Instagram, it says Instagram's always going to give their latest features a helping hand. So it's a good idea to jump on those if you can. Again, like I said, you got to, you have to prioritize your capacity for the, and what you can do in a day. And if you find that Instagram reels reach your audience way better than feed posts or stories, great. Do it, dedicate your time to that. But don't spread yourself so thin that the content that you're creating becomes half-assed. Totally. And if you don't have a plan on how you can try and convert people off of that content, mm-hmm. don't just create reels to create reels because then it's not a smart use of your time. So which, you know, there's plenty of reels that are just supposed to purely be for entertainment. That's a whole separate mm-hmm. thing. But if you're trying to use them strategically for your business then you do have to sit down and think about like the entire chain of command and what's happening in terms of, you know, your real being the top of your marketing funnel. And then how then are you going to bring them down it and eventually try to get them to, you know, hit inquire or, you know, purchase something from you. So unless you're doing that, don't just get on the, you know, new feature train to get on it, do it with some level of intention. I have a question for you. Do you watch reels? Um, not so much. I will watch them more on or under the sourced account because mm-hmm. some of our styling block customers have like just I think yesterday someone created a really cool reel that was like stop motion and you could see our blocks in it. So cool. I spot watch them, but I don't like click into them and then just go down a rabbit hole. I mean, yeah. it's also the same reason that I never got on the TikTok train and why I'm yeah. so hesitant about Clubhouse also, right? Like yeah. I don't have time to waste. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> sorry for everyone who's like listening is like, well, this isn't a waste of time. Um <laughs> We're not your ideal audience. No, no. Don't try to sell me through Instagram reels. I'm just, I feel like I'm making myself seem older than I am. I know that's how I feel when I I think about it too, but it's, I, I do think it just all goes back to that whole ideal audience thing. Like if your audience is in a certain either age bracket or they're just a certain demographic that doesn't lean towards video marketing, do not waste your time. If they are, go for it. And it's incredibly valuable. And you have all these platforms now that you can take advantage of, but only if it's going to be beneficial for your business. Don't do it just so you can get bumped up in the feed. Um, If your end goal is to get people to look at your Instagram posts, wasting all this time creating reels that no one's going to watch isn't really going to help you. Yeah. I actually just wrote a piece about the differences between millennials and Gen Z. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was, I never like really dug that much because yeah. I don't, my, my personal customers are not Gen Z. They're definitely millennials. Right. Same. Um, so, but if your customer base is Gen Z, then Reels is something you should be looking at. For and sure. all of this short form video content. For sure. 
Yes, a thousand percent. Um, okay, so the second recommendation they have is to encourage more interaction uh, with Instagram stories stickers. And that's things like polls, your little emoji sliders, question stickers. Um, those are really good for driving engagement. And so when I, you know, I'm still kind of like off Instagram for the most part, just because I need a f- break still. <laughs> but I used to do like weekly, biweekly polls of just like random ass questions. And those were always my highest engaged stories. Because here's the thing, people want to talk about themselves. (laughs) And they want to do, they want it quick and easy. They want to tap of this or that button, or they want to slide a little, you know, a little thing over. And I think that that's a great way to to boost your engagement because they're easy. um, And they can work for pretty much anything too. Totally. And you know, it's funny because like, I don't get a lot of engagement when I ask a question in a post caption in general. Mm -hmm. But from a psychological perspective, I think that these stickers are so effective because they're basically anonymous, right? Like no one has to, the, no one in the public is ever going to know what you tapped this or that, or where you put the slider. Whereas when you answer a question in a comment, it's like, front and center. So that's just like an interesting thing to think about. I actually also think that these stickers and polls and things like that are a great way to get real customer feedback, like, you know, quick bites of it. Um, Mm -hmm. Because typically if you send out a, you know, a big customer survey, you're going to get such a low response rate that you might not really have like a significant amount of data to really drive your changes. But if you, if you break those things up into little polls like this and share it over time, I think you'll actually be better suited to make some sort of change in your, your product or your approach or like the services that you're providing just because it's so stupid easy for people to give you that feedback. Yeah. And I do think it is important to do it consistently You know, if you're someone who like posts a question in your story once every two months, people are going to be more inclined to skip past it, you know, but if you're someone who this is just a regular way that you engage with your audience, you know, I think it it makes you more personable in my opinion, because you're like, let's have a conversation. And I think that that's what a lot of people come to Instagram for too. So stickers, easy way to do it in stories. I'm on board with that one. So the third recommendation that Instagram has is one that we kind of talked about a little bit earlier, which is driving engagement or driving conversations with engaging captions and comments. Like Taylor talked about, you know, writing that, that seat, that call to action. I almost called it a CTA, but you know, call to action in case you're not, you're not familiar with it. And like I said, I would kind of mess around with it and see what does your audience respond to? Do they want to tag friends in their posts? Do they want, you know, to share a preference? What gets the most engagement from your audience? It's always going to be, I don't want to say a game, but kind of like a game where (laughs) you're just trying to see what works best. Yeah. And in general, actually, this is, this is a good question for discussion, even though I don't know how people are going to join in on the discussion, but I would be, I feel like when I write longer form captions, people like just the engagement in general is better across, you know, the three accounts that I manage, you know, mine included. Um, But I know that most people don't like writing. People can be tempted to like just write a short, basically like empty, just super fast caption Mm-hmm. Um, I would, if, if you're listening to this and that's you, I would challenge you to start thinking about your captions as, as much as I hate the term micro blogs, right? <laughs> We're digging into something a little bit more, but do you feel like longer form captions do better for your accounts too? I mean, I would say my personal, yeah, probably. Um, I think, you know, I think it's all about kind of splitting the difference where 
just posting like a singular emoji in your your caption isn't going to help drive engagement. And I see a lot of people do that. And I think it's mostly like an aesthetic thing where they're like, oh, this looks, you know, clean and pretty and da da da. And it's like, okay, cool. But it's a lot easier to just scroll on past and not engage with it. Um, I, I do agree, especially if you're like a, a forward facing brand, you know, where you've got a face of the company, you are very in tune with your audience and personalized that, yeah, those longer form captions, I think do really well. Cause like I said, you're having a conversation, I think for, I don't know, product based businesses, unless you're doing something like pretty educational, you know, like breaking down here are the ingredients in this new beauty product or something similar to that, like. I I don't know if you necessarily need the huge long ones. I used to consult for a company where the woman like insisted on these just like fucking novel length captions for every post. And I was just like, I don't even want to read this and I work for you. <laughs> so if it's something that like you wouldn't stop and read, you know, I, I wouldn't do it. But if you would. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the long and short of it is, is that you need to figure out how you can package and deliver value Mm -hmm. to your audience in your caption. And sometimes that is going to be super short form. Sometimes it's going to be longer form. And it's about finding the right mix of, you know, the two that is your kind of sweet spot. But um, in general, if you hate writing... Just focus on delivering value and you should be okay. Don't cry. Yeah. Don't cry. Don't Don't cry, cry, girl. (laughs) No, no. Don't be cry. Can you name that? Do you know what that is? No, I don't know that. 30 Rock? Come on. Oh, I was, you're going to hate me. I was not (gasps) someone who binged 30 Rock. You still can. It's on Hulu. I know. Actually, we should watch that. I watch it every night before I go to sleep. (laughs) You during the day and 30 rock at night. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're spot on. (laughs) But it's my like, it's my comfort show, you know, at night. And obviously I am not smoking weed right now because I am pregnant. But I, uh, when you are a little stoned, you realize the genius of that show. It's fucking brilliant. I think it's smarter than The Office and Parks, personally. Okay. Okay. So, highly recommended. And I just really identify with Liz Lemon. <laughs> if you're not watching 30 Rock, I don't know what's wrong with you, Taylor. Sorry. We watch The Daily Show at night. Oh, okay. I think I can get Brett on the 30 Rock train. I mean, I've always loved Tina Fey. So. Yeah. It's real good. It's real, real good. <laughs> All right. So... Number four is optimizing your hashtag strategy, um, which, you know, when you have a good hashtag strategy, it helps you obviously reach more people who aren't following your accounts. And I think that hashtags are an interesting animal all on their own. Um, I always try to, when I do utilize hashtags, try to opt for ones that are not huge, you know, like hashtag entrepreneur. How many fucking posts are underneath hashtag entrepreneur? Um, so I think that it's it's about f- researching and finding hashtags that are going to be a good fit for your ideal audience, but that are also going to actually be seen because they're not being completely overwhelmed by the millions and millions and millions of users on Instagram. Yep. If it has millions of posts associated with it, honestly, just like don't use it it. at all there's no there's no value add for you in that I will sometimes include like super super niche hashtags Mm -hmm. especially if it's something that I feel like I can kind of turn into a branded hashtag of sorts because no one else is really using it but um I also have gotten into the habit of going back and looking at the hashtags that I use a lot to make sure that like they haven't exploded and no mm-hmm. longer are valuable to me. Yeah. So, um, cause I'm, 
I'm totally, I do this almost every day. I'll, you know, copy and paste hashtags from old posts because I don't want to type out 30 hashtags every fucking day. Um, (laughs) So because I'm doing that copying, copying and pasting, I need to put in the extra effort of making sure that shit's still relevant. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's worth, I mean, so I save mine on notes on my phone. Like I have just a couple different notes and I have, I want to say like four or five different combinations of hashtags because I try to tailor them to the, the The content that I'm posting. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like if I'm posting something that's on like, let's just say the podcast Instagram, if I'm posting something that's more social media based, I'm going to gear that towards a social media audience, right? Or if it's about creativity or entrepreneurship. So it takes a little bit of research, you know, it takes a little bit of trial and error to see which hashtags are working. Um, And obviously it's not something that you'll see right away, (laughs) but just keep trying and I would say create at least three combos if you can to kind of fine tune your audience because if you, I don't think you should necessarily be posting the same hashtags for every single post. Uh, I think they do you for that. I do. I I was going to say, I think that they, that Instagram does not like it. So number five is something we've also already talked about, which is cross promoting your Instagram content. You know, so if you're posting something on your feed, Share it to all the channels you have or share it to stories, to Instagram TV, to reels, if you're doing all of that stuff. Um, But also you can cross promote it to your other platforms, you know, Twitter, Pinterest. Pinterest is a great one. I can't tell you how many times I click on a pin and it takes me to someone's Instagram and I'm like, oh, cool. So if you're not pinning your Instagram posts, I highly suggest you start. Do you do that? I do not do that. But I guess we, I should say we Pinterest is like our biggest platform. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I am very, I tailor a lot of stuff to that platform. So I, I should have prefaced it with if Pinterest is one of your top platforms, it's a good yep. idea to do. Yep. We're at Sourced. We actually just hired someone to manage our Pinterest account. Cool. We're trying to turn it into something. I mean, we've always had like a stupid number of monthly impressions Mm -hmm. because Christy did such a good job of just curating beautiful things. Yes. But now we're trying to turn those impressions into click-throughs. So, Mm -hmm. but we just started working with someone in December. So it's super fresh. Nice. Yeah. I mean, there are, the options are endless these days of platforms you can share your shit to. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, if at the bare minimum, you can share your feed posts to your stories, you know, share all that stuff internally on, on Instagram, especially if you're trying to get people to see it, because how many times have you seen someone's story, but not see the post in the feed? Too many to count. Yep. All the time. But don't be the lazy person who only stories posts that they've pushed. I definitely, I definitely have some people in my life that do that. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I do it also, but it's not like every story is not just the post that I've published. No, it's got to be be more creative than that. Yeah. Got to be a combo, you know, number six, I thought was interesting because it makes so much sense, which is keeping on top of your DMs. So According to this article, a lot like comments and likes, direct messages are a strong engagement factor for the algorithm. So, you know, obviously people that you DM with a lot, their stories kind of get bumped to the front of your feed, but you also want to make sure that you are getting DMs and responding to DMs. So your stories bump up in others' feeds. So kind of doing that with those call to actions, like Hey, DM me with questions or feedback or hit this post with a heart eyes. Ugh, I feel gross even saying that, but you know what I mean? I think you just threw <laughs> up in your mouth a little bit. Cringe <laughs> so hard. Um, but really getting those DMs is important and then responding to them because I know a lot of people are just like, oh, I, you know, uh, what is it? The message requests mm-hmm. will just be like, a hundred strong. And it's like, how are, how do you expect your engagement 
to go up if you're not responding to people. You don't have yeah. to have like a full-on conversation, but you need to at least respond. Yeah. Unless it's like some creepy dude, you know. The creepy dude who I'm going to remove from. <laughs> yeah. I'll forego um, some engagement for that dude. Yes, yes. So I don't have large and I don't have accounts with large enough followings that like it is difficult to reply to every DM and comment. But mm-hmm. for something like Glitter Guide, where you have a half a million people following you, are there days mm-hmm. where you're just like, I legit can't do this? No. Um, I mean, even if it's just liking, you know, double tapping their reply. Oh, true. True that. Uh, it's, I just kind of dedicate some time to go through it and do it. And yeah. I mean, I think who was it? Was it our friend Taryn that posted the other day? Like her and her friend were joking about how they both tagged Chobani, the yogurt, yes. and something, and Chobani left him on scene. Yes. And it's like fucking rude, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Now I don't want any Chobani. <laughs> that was definitely Taryn and Britt. Okay. <laughs> well pressed. Yes, because Britt from Swell Press is on a mission to become like an ambassador for Chobani yogurt. Like the the <laughs> the ones that you like flip the toppings into. Oh, uh-huh. She's obsessed. I mean, if so y'all want to follow, you should all follow Taryn because she's just a beautiful human being and very talented and creative. And her yeah. stationary friend Britt from Swell Press is equally entertaining, beautiful, and creative. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it doesn't feel good to get left on scene or just like, you know, if they don't even read it at all, especially when you know that it's a forward facing brand and it's like, okay, well, it's actually humans running this account. So why are you too cool to respond to me? I just think that always leaves a bad taste in someone's mouth, like no matter the size of your account. So just respond, even if you have to do the bare minimum of just liking, you know, a comment or a reply. And then lastly, using uh, Instagram analytics to see what's working. If you're not checking your Instagram analytics, what's the point? (laughs) It should be a weekly KPI, but that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Am I in trouble because I only do it monthly? You're like in half trouble, but (laughs) because at least you do it. (laughs) Uh, Well, and you know, I mean, no, you're not in trouble because I think like it's like we talked about, it depends on the size of your account. You know, like you said, we have over 550,000 followers. We post a lot of content and keeping on track of that each week is important for me. Um, but if it's if you're smaller, 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 I don't know what that's like. That's a, a word for small follower, smaller. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. I, I like it. it. I like it. Smaller on a t-shirt. Here for it. Um, <laughs> you know, if you have a if you aren't pushing out as much content, or if you have a smaller following, I think monthly is fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't in the doghouse. No, I did. I did add additional metrics to my KPI sheet for 2021. Good. Any exciting ones? Um, I added. Well, I added Pinterest metrics to it, and I added Google. I just started some Google ads, so I added metrics around that to to our KPI sheet um I think it was just those two I mean I already had like 30 different things I was tracking so it it wasn't it wasn't a shabby list to start (laughs) no I I didn't imagine it was (laughs) Uh, yeah I mean I've never I don't know that our following is large enough or that we produce enough content. Like we post, you know, five, we post Monday through Friday and then I story and then I take the weekends off because I just need a mental break on the weekends. So. (laughs) No, that's good. 
I love a fresh KPI sheet. You know I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else I started doing? I also, because I actually sat down and did some projections for the mm-hmm. year. Cool. In our KPI sheet, I now also color code where we are on track or off track. Good. Do you have a range? No. Oh, okay. It's just green or red. <laughs> yeah. So what I do with mine is I have like on my sheet, I have the KPI, like the metric. Yep. And then next to it, I have a, the little, can you, the audience Bracket, cannot see carrot. my fingers. <laughs> yeah. Scissors. <laughs> the little carrots, <laughs> the greater than, less than. So yep. if it's like, if it's one specific number, it's in the black. If it's greater than this number, it's in the green. If it's less than the black number, it's in the red and it's an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I always, do, I've always done it like that because I'm intense. Yeah. <laughs> but, I feel like I'm remembering seeing that way back when we like, remember when I hired you? Yeah. As a consultant, I'm like having flashbacks to seeing yeah. that. <laughs> That's how I like to do it. Yes. I like to, you know, I just, I, numbers. I like numbers. Yeah. Yes. So. All right. That's a little off topic, but you know, it wouldn't be pretty okay podcast if it wasn't. <laughs> if there wasn't one random tangent. Totally. You'd <laughs> be like, always a little off topic. Yep. Always a little, just a little. <laughs> so like I said, I'll put this article in the show notes so you can read it in its entirety. The general gist of it is, you know, building a genuine relationship with your followers is the most powerful way to quote unquote hack the algorithm, uh, which I could not agree with more. Like we said, you can't hack a computer. <laughs> well, you can, but but you're never going to beat an algorithm. The best thing you can do is just build up that engaging relationship with your audience and making sure that your audience is chock full of people who are ideal for, for your audience and for being your clients. And, you know, if they're not, they're not going to do you any good. So those vanity numbers mean shit. They mean shit. (laughs) They mean shit. People buy from people. So I think this is just a, another reiteration of, you know, that phrase that you hear when it comes in regards to branding and marketing in general and, you know, social is you have to be a human. You have to show up as you are and be authentic as much as I hate that word authentic. Um, but it does, right. It's yeah. I know it's, it's overused. So overused. Um, but there, there is a real point to the sentiment. Yeah. So for sure. I I words. That is our fully comprehensive analysis and opinion of this article. <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> sad or um uh, arrogant. Is that the right word? Maybe? No, it wasn't arrogant. Okay, good. Because I I like the article. I do. I yeah. think it had a lot of good points. Yeah. Um, but I also, I just really want people to understand that you're never going to hack it. And yes, just to not drive yourself absolutely crazy. Because that is, I think so many people get so frustrated and they take it so personally. And it's like, dude, you are up against a computer. Yeah. That's, I mean, the... The word hack in a title is always clickbait. It's fucking clickbait. Fuck and yeah. It sets you up to have the wrong expectation, right? And you're mm-hmm. only going to be disappointed if you feel like you're failing. But if you accept the fact that you can't win this game and you just have to play it, then you can stop being frustrated about it. Like, yes. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, unfortunately, that computer. Give zero shits about your business. Oh, zero shits. <laughs> None. So it, it you just have to take that element out of it when you're working on it. And I that's one of my biggest things with people is the obsession over vanity numbers, you know, of like, oh, well, they have so many followers. 
It's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything unless it's converting. It it truly does not. And I think a lot of like old time bloggers and businesses who kind of got on Instagram when it first started are still obsessed with that and they are struggling right now. So yep. yep. Especially if you're a newer business, you know, or you've started a new account that you're trying to grow. If you're feeling like I'm not seeing the growth and the numbers that I want, it's like, well, you need to take a look at what you're doing with your audience. Totally. Because all of that coveted K gets you is a swipe up. Like, yeah. If you, in the end, can't monetize your audience, then you really need to, regardless of, of its size, right? Like, right. If you can't do that, that's a fundamental problem you have to address. It's not about adding ticks to your to your follower count every week. Right. Although I will say I do think it's unfair that Instagram doesn't let you have a swipe up unless you have 10,000 followers. Oh, yeah, it's such bullshit. That and I understand wanting to grow your audience for that purpose, obviously, um because it does make life a lot easier to have that swipe up, but you know, don't buy followers just to get no. to that 10,000. No, and you know, can totally did that. And you can totally monetize your following without it, right? Like yeah. I don't have any account that has 10,000 followers and it hasn't been a limiting factor. Yeah. So, you know, it's only a limiting factor if you put yourself in that mindset. Right. Word. Fuck the man. <laughs> As always, fuck the man. As always. And the man is Mike Mike Zuckerberg. That's not his name. What is it? Mark Zuckerberg. Mike, god damn it, Mike Zuckerberg. (laughs) It's Mark's even more evil twin. (laughs) Yes. Is that possible? I mean, I'm sure it is possible. Yeah. All right. Okay. Anyways, (laughs) we'll have show notes up on pretty okay podcast um we'll be over on instagram at pretty okay podcast am i missing anything i don't think so no okay it's been a while since we've done this again yes that month break you know you lose you lose your groove (laughs) well thanks for sticking with us (laughs) thank you hopefully we'll be back in a couple weeks provided you know No other shit hits the fan, but it's still COVID, so who fucking knows these days? Thank you guys for listening. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.